Hey, you're listening to Quad Dot Rocks, God the World and Other Things. I'm Kenny Price, your host. Our mission, advancing equilibrium in the midst of an agitated world. This is Season 17, Episode 368, Title: Little Procrastinations. Subtitle, Don't Put Off Tomorrow What You Should Do Today. Proverbs chapter 24, verses 30 through 34 reads, I went by the field of a slacker and by the vineyard of one lacking sense. Thistles had come up everywhere. Weeds covered the ground and the stone wall was ruined. I saw and took it to heart. I looked and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the arms to rest, and your poverty will come like a robber and your need like a bandit. The Christian Standard Bible, the translation I quote from in my podcasts, interprets the Hebrew word atzel as slacker. The King James and the New American Standard translates the word atzel as sluggard. The 12 occurrences in the Hebrew Old Testament are all found in the book of Proverbs. A sluggard is a lazy person who can work but refuses to. He lacks the drive, personal responsibility, and common sense to provide for his needs. He likes to sleep and dislikes work. It's an ugly-sounding name. It reminds you of a common garden snail pulling along its bulbous shell as it leaves behind its glistening slime. A common garden snail moves by using a specialized structure called a foot. The foot is a large, flat, muscular organ located in the underside of the snail's body. The snail secretes mucus, creating a thin layer of slime that helps it in the locomotion process. That's pretty gross sounding, isn't it? Though it's characterized in a lot of children's storybooks and animation as a cute pal in the garden, in real life it's a threat and a nuisance. Sluggards are called to action, to work to honor God with their lives. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10 reminds us that the one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. The worst of sluggards only ask for a little slumber. They would be angry if they were accused of absolute idleness. A little folding of the hands to sleep is all they crave, and they have a bunch of reasons to show that this indulgence is a highly appropriate one. Yet by these littles, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the arms to rest, by these littles the day recedes, and the time for significant productive work is all gone, and the field is grown over with thorns. It's by a little procrastination that a person ruins their soul. My friend, do you want to know what's going on in our world today? Why so many people's lives are collapsing? The scripture warns us that by little procrastinations, a person ruins their soul. What are some external signs of a ruined soul? I remind you that a soul, in simple sense, is the CPU of a human being, the central processing unit, the core of who you are. It's invisible to the eyes, but what are the external signs of a ruined soul? Depression and despair. A persistent sadness or hopelessness. Lack of interest or pleasure in activities. Isolation. Withdrawing from social interactions. Difficulty connecting with others on an emotional level. Destructive behavior. Engaging in self-destructive habits such as substance abuse or reckless behavior. Lack of empathy. Difficulty understanding or empathizing with the feelings of others. Continuous anger or bitterness. Frequent expressions of anger, resentment, or bitterness. Unresolved trauma. Signs of unresolved trauma including flashbacks or difficulty coping with past experiences. 
loss of purpose, feeling aimless or lacking a sense of purpose in life, inability to forgive, holding on to grudges, and an inability to forgive oneself or others, spiritual crisis, questioning or rejecting previously held spiritual or religious beliefs, feeling disconnected from a higher purpose, repeated unethical behavior, engaging in morally questionable or harmful actions. Does any of this sound familiar? Do you see this in your own life or the lives of others? My friend, let me remind you right now that these external signs of a ruined soul are not God's will for the human life. He desires so much better. And before I go any further, let me remind you that while a person draws breath on this earth, there exists hope for the person who has slid into such slothfulness, sluggardness, slacking, to have their souls healed. Through Jesus Christ, all things are possible. But there must be a turning, a change, a repentance of the disobedience, and a move to action. The slacker has no intention to delay for years. A few months will bring the more convenient season. Tomorrow, if you will, they will attend to serious things. But the present hour is so occupied, so busy, and altogether so unsuitable that they beg to be excused. Like sand sliding through an hourglass, time passes. Life is wasted by droplets, and the seasons of grace lost by little slumbers. That is the tragedy in all of this a wasted life and grace withheld. What is the season of grace? It's the time of God's blessings which flows through our lives, unmerited by us. And when we get in the flow of God's grace, the result is a diligence and a sense of urgency to take care of things today. Hebrews 13 has a stern warning to take the responsibilities of tending the fields daily. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 1, Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was in all God's household. For Jesus is considered worthy of more glory than Moses, just as the builder has more honor than the house. Now every house is built by someone, but the one who built everything is God. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's household as a testimony to what would be said in the future. But Christ was faithful as a son over his household, and we are that household if we hold on to our confidence and the hope in which we boast. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested me tried me, and saw my works for forty years. Therefore I was provoked to anger with that generation and said, They always go astray in their hearts, and they have not known my ways. So I swore in my anger, They will not enter my rest. Watch out, brothers and sisters, so that there won't be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage each other daily, why it is still called today, so that none of you is hardened by sin's deception. For we have become participants in Christ if we hold firmly until the end the reality that we had at the start. As it is said, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who heard and rebelled? Wasn't it all who came out of Egypt under Moses? With whom was God angry for forty years? Wasn't it with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Friend, what a blessing from God it is to be wise. 
to seize the moments of God's grace every day and to be found faithful in the diligent dispensing of God's grace to others and to not be overwhelmed by the sin that can so easily entangle us. We need to pray for ourselves that we will not slowly recede into procrastination which can little by little erode our souls and destroy our effectiveness for God. May the Lord teach us this sacred wisdom, for otherwise a poverty of the worst sort awaits us, eternal poverty which shall want even a drop of water and beg for it in vain. Doesn't it cause you to begin to wonder if a person really knows Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, if they never get around to really serving Him by being His ambassador of grace? Always some excuse as to why it can't happen today. Like a traveler steadily pursuing their journey, poverty overtakes the slothful and ruin overthrows the undecided. Each hour brings the dreaded pursuer nearer. He doesn't stop along the way, for he is on his master's business and must not delay. My friend, who is the dreaded pursuer? It's death. Regardless of how much money you have, how much fame you have, how many world-changing patents you might have, Regardless of how many people you have impacted worldwide, the reality is death comes. Then what? The days are past to exercise the grace of God and live boldly and sacrificially for Him. This reality should jar all of us into vigorous action for Christ's kingdom's sake. We don't get a do-over in this life. There is no circle of life. There is no reincarnation. It is appointed for people to die once. And after this judgment, all the acts of righteousness and obedience we do now shape the rest of our eternity in heaven. As an armed man breaks into a home with authority and power, so shall the pangs of poverty come to the idol, both physically and internally, in your damaged soul. And death comes to the unremorseful, the defiant, the shameless, the slothful, the sluggard. And there will be no escape. The brevity of this life demands that we act with wisdom regarding time and would seek the Lord Jesus diligently, or else the solemn day shall dawn when it will be too late to plow the field and to sow, too late to repent and believe. In harvest, it's pointless to cry that the seed time was neglected. Let's choose diligence and intentionality today and abandon procrastination. Here are some ideas to think about as you take a personal inventory of your sluggard meter. Here are five ways to get into the flow of God's grace using the letters of grace as an acronym representing the five attributes. These are suggestions. G is for generosity, the will to do something more for others, to determine to be more open-handed and kinder to others today. R, respect, the dignity of life and work and to have an attitude of gratitude just to be here. To be able to show up, I remember my dear friend Terry Barrier, who battled severe cancer for several years. One of the hardest things for him, besides the physical pain of the disease, was the loss of being able to work because he was so sick. He really missed being able to work. A is for action, the mechanism for change. As Christians living in the flow of God's grace, we should be people of action today. C is for compassion, an active and tangible concern for others. E is for energy. The Holy Spirit of God catalyzes us. When we're in the flow of God's grace, He supernaturally empowers us to carry out our assignments for Him. Exodus 19 verse 4 says, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians 
and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 31 says that those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not become weary. They will walk and not faint. Each of these attributes is distinct, but each works with the others to make the notion of grace something that's tangible and therefore actionable. I've had the privilege to see an American bald eagle three times since I moved here to Tennessee. Two sightings were in my neighbor's backyard that backs up to my back fence. The bald eagle had a wingspan of more than five feet. It dropped silently into the backyard and almost appeared to be the manifestation of an angel. I'm being serious. It was massive. The largest bird I've ever seen, much bigger than a turkey buzzard. The second time I knew it was coming because it cast a massive bird shadow over our yard as it was landing in the neighbor's yard behind us. God uses this earthly metaphor of the eagle's wings to communicate to us the strength and support that awaits us as we stop making excuses for our slothfulness and get on board and go with God as he manifests his grace to us and through us to people in need. And with that, my friend, I bid you peace.